We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit winbet.com to start winning. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, sadly, a Nets loss tonight, 111-107 to the Bulls. How are we feeling, Jack? Charlie Brown. Ah! Yeah, I think that's pretty fitting for this game. Obviously, frustrating loss. It felt like the Nets had this one not wrapped up, but it looked like they were going to be able to finish business at the end, and they couldn't. Credit to the Bulls, but as always, you can find the Buzz on all streaming platforms. Jack, do you want to start with that final stretch of the game? Yeah, we can jump into it, Nick. You know, this, I guess the sort of overall fourth quarter in general, it was, you know, Caden, DeMar DeRozan, you know, mid-range Kings going off, which was incredible. LaMarcus Aldridge and the drop coverage, giving him space and just keeping on going back. Just like, my guy, I'd rather him blow by you than you give him the space. It's like a guy giving you space in the mid-range. Surely you know what you like. You like it when a yep. defender is backtracking. Um, but in saying that... And he knows DeMar's that- game. He played with him in San Antonio. Exactly, exactly. He should be a, a bit more clued in there. But he, I think Lamarcus was still pretty solid overall. I thought Millsap was positive too. But overall, Nick, I think that there was just some execution rotation points in that fourth quarter where if things had have gone the Nets way and Steve Nash said, you know, to, to, to the Nets media, you know, the ball just didn't go our way. But I think you can change some things. And I think that's one thing where it's just like, I think mean, Ben, we should have been out there instead of Bruce Brown. I, 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 Bruce's rebounding was incredible in the first half. I think his second half left a, a lot to be desired. Um, and I think you try and just do a, a few more different things. Maybe it's the players. And, and I, I think, you know, the the ball bouncing our way is, you know, hard and, and his night. You know, he, he, he the process was there. You know, the, the attack, the aggression, the mentality. But the, they were they just missed. They were short. And, and same, you could say the same thing for Bruce Brown. Um, but it was just, it was frustrating because... The Nets also like took a lot of freezer threes early, and, and maybe the Bulls' defense adjusted. You know, Billy Donovan made some changes there, uh, but ultimately it, there was just sequences that were crazy and frustrating. Um, there was a 
a roller coaster of a night for the Brooklyn Nets, especially in that fourth period. Yeah, and I think even in the third quarter, they had, you know, a 9, 11-point lead, and they had an opportunity to probably continue that, and there was just, like, little mistakes here and there. Obviously, like you mentioned, the ball not bouncing the Nets' way and some of those layups for James Harden, Bruce Brown, but even, like, specifically getting to the end of the game, like you said, you know, life was getting a little bit too easy for DeMar DeRozan, and some of that's just LaMarcus being on the floor and what he can do at this point in his career. I think they needed to have kind of a better reaction to that and have like a set plan. And even on that, you know, I guess last true Bulls offensive possession where Lonzo hit that three, you know, looked like they were giving him the double team with James Harden and Kevin Durant. And then Bruce Brown kind of steps in, goes for a steal, and Lonzo gets that wide open three. It's just like those type of little mistakes and those execution where – that that's a difference in a game against a really good team. Like that's a mistake that, you know, Minnesota is going to make. That's a, a mistake that maybe the Knicks would make, but this is a Bulls team. That's really good. They're second in the East. They might be first after tonight and credit to them for executing down the stretch. And then that's not doing it. And also their best players stepped up in the fourth quarter. Like DeRozan was good. Levine hit some big shots. Kevin Durant hit some big shots. James Harden did not. I think they're two of the best fourth quarter scorers in the NBA. You know, both of those guys, which is an incredible feat. And, you know, the Nets probably did have we that. We know the and, feeling. <laughs> yeah, well, we certainly do know the feeling of, of dominance in the fourth period when you have two in, in, incredible weapons in, in their offensive capabilities. And Demar was great. Zach was great. Um, I think that they made some tough shots, but they also got some shots that were a little easier than they could have been if uh, John Joe Bembry was out there, if LaMarcus Aldridge had been a little bit more physical. Um, but the, the Bulls also were getting a, a pretty nice whistle going their way. I don't think that... The free throw discrepancy was anything I was totally shocked about. The Nets, they missed just layups. They didn't really get contact and, and played through it. Um, but but in saying that, yeah, there was some nice plays here and there, and and, and KD was just really good, and, and James was you know trying to sort of find his 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 footing a, a little bit, and you know Patty passed up a, a really open shot. I think that that was just a brain fade. Uh, I think that, and I'm not just, I'm not excusing it. It was a bad decision from Patty, but he also made up for it. You know, he, he had some you know big layups and, and a couple of big threes here and there as well. But I think that there was just you know it was a game of inches tonight, Nick, uh, and and, uh, and against a team that's you know second, I believe you know the Nets are 16 and seven now. The Bulls are 16 and eight. So I think the Nets will still hold on to the top spot at least for the time being. Um, obviously, there'll be a, a couple of days in between their next game. But yeah, that fourth quarter was just really frustrating. Watching with my brother as a Bulls fan, he's just he's loving life in, in, in terms of what's happening with there. And I, I think that from an objective perspective, you know, there was if you're a neutral mutual observer, sorry, and you're watching KD and DeMar just go back and forth and hit mid-range buckets like it's, you know, 2004 Kobe Bryant versus whoever or MJ or whoever else it might be. That was a lot of fun, but it was also like, okay, KD is supposed to be hitting these. DeMar DeRozan is, you know, as good as, Kevin Durant in, in that range, but I think that Kevin Durant's offensive capabilities to make tough shots look easy is better than what DeMar DeRozan does, but this season, both of those guys have top five MVP contenders. It was just super frustrating because it was one little stretch of basketball, Nick, that just got away from the Nets. Um, other than that, you know, that first half and you know, periods of the, the third quarter as well, the Nets, I thought that the Nets, for the majority of this game, were the better team. And it's interesting because most of this season, when we recap games, you know, a, a lot of it is, you know, the 
the result glosses over the process. I thought the process was pretty positive tonight. And that's saying the same thing with James Harden. His mentality was really good. I, I, I was thinking about it in the first half. I was like, on the 3 of 11 or 4 of 11, Kevin Durant went like 1 of 8 to start the game. And then he, you know, got into his groove a little bit. You know, your two best players aren't playing the way that they are. And you only lose by 4 to, you know, I, I think the Bulls will be a home court advantage contending team. So I think that they're one of the four or five best teams in the East, if not better than that. And they're proving that at this point in time as well. So... I think that it's just frustrating because we've seen the opposite of it. And it's just like, well, the Nets finally do play well and they can't get the W. So uh, ultimately, you know, regular season wins don't matter. I try and look at it from an objective standpoint, but can't help but feel frustrated at the same time. Yeah, tonight was a night the Nets just really didn't make shots. Like they shot 41% from the field. They shot 46 out of 111. That's a lot of field goal attempts. That's not something we're typically seeing. The Bulls only had 86 field goal attempts. Obviously, they lived at the free throw line with 27 attempts there. But credit the Nets for getting 14, uh, 15 offensive rebounds and then also only committing five turnovers in the game. So like like you said, Jack, they played well in a lot of aspects of the game. It was literally shot-making was an issue. Some of that was just the offense getting a little stagnant at different points, especially when Kevin Durant wasn't on the floor. You know, James Harden was trying to get to the paint and hit those shots, but he just couldn't do that tonight. So in a perfect world, you know, between Harden and Bruce Brown, they get 7 of 32. You know, you expect maybe even 10 of 32. This might be a Nets win. That's like as simple as it really is. And also the team went 8 of 25 from three. Another struggle from the three-point line. We talked about against the Timberwolves, 6 of 23. So it's just like you need to generate better three-point attempts. You need to hit some of these shots and stretch the floor, whatever it is. And it, it's hard to do when Harden and Durant uh, are going 3 of 11. Yeah, exactly. You know, the, the Nets hit three threes in 90 seconds and they yeah. hit five in another 40, 46 minutes and a half. I think yeah. that my math, my, 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 my math, sorry, uh, is hopefully right in saying that. So, and there was just the, and I think that the final possession of the game was emblematic of, of the, the Nets' woes you know, from the fourth quarter, midpoint of the, the fourth quarter, especially, where they just couldn't or wouldn't put up a shot to end the game. And, and obviously, you know, you, you're still going to play the foul game or whatever. And some of that is the Bulls' defense being quite good and they've been a pretty solid defensive team this year. But it's just like, put up a freaking shot, for God's sakes. Time is not on your side. And I think that was the most frustrating thing. And they were able to, you know, get the... You know, KD made the right foul on Ayo Desunmu, who is, you know, probably the worst free throw shooter out of the, the five that were out there. Even though I thought that he had a nice game uh, also. And, and him and sort of Cam Thomas, their back and forth, I thought was a lot of fun because I know we... We mentioned I.O. when we were chatting about, you know, draft prospects on, on previous pods too. So I think that there was just a, a – the frustration continued to just mount throughout that fourth quarter. It's just like, James, you're missing this. Bruce, you're missing these. The rotations aren't here. Get in DeMar's face. And it's just like, all right, let's take a step back. Let's take a deep breath and, you know, try and look at it from a, a rational standpoint. It's not the end of the world by, by any stretch, but I still think that there's – there's validity in the frustration and the process was mostly fundamentally sound. The execution wasn't. Yeah. And I think with the biggest rotation thing here, I think you'd probably agree with this is like, you want to see Bembry more over Bruce Brown, who just wasn't really good in this game. Obviously he had his impact on the boards, but Bembry just, is I think better defensively currently in time at this exact moment in time. I think he's done a better job than a lot of guys. And I also think offensively you feel more confident with him finishing. You know, Bruce Brown just missed a lot of laps, a lot of shots. And I think 
it's not a coincidence that he was on the floor in the fourth quarter and they had issues offensively where it got a little stagnant at points because there was possessions again where he's just not getting defended or he's cutting into a spot where he can't really do anything. So that's that's going to be an issue if he doesn't hit shots. Like I love Bruce Brown, obviously did a lot for this team last year, but you can't afford to have another negative offensive player, especially with the way James Harden is playing. No, definitely. And I think that Bruce early on, his rebounding was incredible. You know, yeah, he had, amazing. What, yeah, he had like, I think you put it out, Nick, like five offensive boards in the first half. And, you know, a lot of that is the reason why the Nets were able to get, able to get second chance opportunities in, in a lot of respects. You know, his timing on that, you know, I thought that his defense was was, was pretty good. I don't think it was, a, at, I don't think it's as at his elite best it was before his injury, but he was still getting through screens at, at a, a really, you know, elite prospect in, in an elite way, something that he does incredibly well. He was either sliding through or using his strength to, you know, make contact and get through them. Um, so I thought that, and he went under on occasions, which I, I thought was the right decision, depend, depending on the specific matchup with DeMar and stuff. But, you know, as the fourth started to, the, there was just a, 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 a lack of cohesion. And I think that that's where a change had to be made. I think Bembry is one that is probably the one that made the most sense. But, you know, in another universe, you know, the, the old Spider-Verse trailer part one dropped today. Maybe in, a, in part two or whenever the new trailer drops, we might... Um, in that universe, we'll have to look and see if the, the Nets played DeAndre Bembry if they had a won the game. So I thought you were going to say Cam Thomas for a second. <laughs> I mean, look, Killing Cam was great tonight. We'll get to him too. He, he had some incredible moments, including one of the most uh, obscure, amazing floaters that I've ever seen in my life. But I think that there's that level of frustration, Nick. And being able to talk it through with you right now has allowed me to, to sort of process and get out of my feelings, get out of my head a little bit and go, okay. Nick's, Nick's always calm. He'll bring me down back to a level pegging. And, you know, my heart rate, my blood pressure will will, will, will decrease to a more stable element. I won't have to go to the doctor tomorrow. I won't have to take the day off work. But in, in saying that, you know, I'm not going to rewatch this game because I think that I'll, I'll certainly get my frustration levels will certainly rise once again. You know, it's like Homer, you know, when he says, um, when he's in that Trace of Horror episode, urge to kill rising. Um, but I'm, I'm, in, I'm in an okay state right now. It's just that, uh, man, there were just little things, little things here and there. There was also some really positive things like the, the ATO off the uh, out of bounds play where it was, I think, 100 to 101. And it, it led to, you know, a double on KD. KD made the right pass to LaMarcus Aldridge. Yep. Hard made a good pass to KD in the first place and led to an open layup. There were some really positive moments there tonight. It's just that I think that you can't get away with poor moments, you know, in key stretches of the game against a quality team like the Chicago Bulls. And that's what the Nets have been like this season, you know, against Golden State, against Phoenix or whatever. They've had moments, but you can't have moments, you know, those moments are going to be more pronounced uh, against a quality outfit compared to, like, you know, your Minnesotas, your Knicks, your, these sort of teams. I, I love how you threw the Knicks slander on early on, so <laughs> I might as well pile on top of it too because Julius Randle is looking like James Harden on defense too. So now in, in saying that, Nick, frustrating, but not the end of the world. But uh, maybe there's like a couple of, you know, the, the bombs are being you know, released, but, you know, we've got, you know, Superman or we got Iron Man sort of, you know, all of their tech just to go, all right, we'll deflect them back to Mars or whatever. So I'm not devastated, but I'm upset. Yeah, I think you put it well, Jack, is like they still made mistakes in this game, but they made less mistakes than they made in some of the other matchups with, you know, the Warriors and the Suns and even the other Bulls matchup where in that fourth quarter they just kind of crumbled, where tonight they had these issues and they still kind of fought back to get in it. And it, and I hate to harp on it, and it's it seems simple, but at the end of the day, it's like 
James Harden went 5 of 21. Bruce Brown went 2 of 11. We're talking 23% and 18% from the field, and that's 7 of 32. Like, those are just a lot of missed shots. And I'm not trying to hate on the guys, but they missed a lot of makeable shots, Then, and that's the difference in the game. And that's where I think you feel confident in some way, but I think there's also a lingering worry about James Harden, like, is this just who he is right now? Is he going to get back to the player that he was last season or 85% or 90% of that guy? And like, yeah, we hope he does, but it's just like we need to see it to really confirm the fact. And Bruce Brown, obviously, still coming back from injury, but I don't think he was playing super well offensively to start the year either. So I have a little concern about Bruce and his floater and just his offensive impact, especially with this specific roster. I just feel like his, he's not going to be able to shine as much. And we talked about, I think it was a few episodes ago, Jack, it was something along the lines of like, Bruce Brown was the fifth option last year. You know, he was a guy that teams were willing to leave open. Now the book is kind of out on him and they're like, you can shoot floaters, you can hit layups. Like, we're not going to let you do that. And and he can't do that, you know, with the, yeah. when a Joe Harris isn't out there, when a Kyrie Irving isn't out there, because, you know, it's not five-out basketball anymore. Yep. It's three and a half. You know, yeah. don't remember hit, hit hit a couple of them. Sometimes or it's two-out basketball. So, sometimes it's two, yeah. And, and and with the way that James Harden's been shooting lately as well, you know, it, that doesn't leave you with a heap of confidence too. So, look, I, I think that, you know, we were chatting in the DMs throughout the game, obviously, as we always do. And we were like, look, our analysis, you know, from the game after the Timberwolves is pretty sound. Like, you know. I, I was big on sort of like, you know, letting Bruce play his way through it and, you know, we'll, he'll find his moment, he'll get his way back. And that first half, it was just like, damn, he's on. But then the second half just didn't match that energy and impact. And I, and think, I think that the Bulls turned their energy up a little too. Definitely, definitely. Good teams do that and they are a good team. So, uh, I, look, Bruce will have his moments. I just think that the way that Steve Nash, he's got basically two versions of very similar prototypes, prototypical players in Bembry and Brown. How he uses them, you know, Bembry's been with the starters and his chemistry with the starters has been, you know, outstanding. You know, I don't have lineup data with me. I'll have to look a bit deep into that. I think it'll be a fascinating deep dive. But in saying that, Bruce also looked okay with the starters out there. He he, he, he obviously has some really good chemistry with James Harden. He also runs the court really hard. You know, he's probably a better ball handler than DeAndre Bembry. You know, he can alleviate that aspect a little bit. But as a play finisher, I think DeAndre Bembry just has him hands down. Um, and it's just outplayed him this season. Not, not necessarily saying he's the better player, but he's certainly in better form right now. So it's good to have both of these guys because, you know, as we were speaking about before the injury to Bruce Brown, you know, both of them were in elite defensive categories in terms of how they've been guarding players throughout the year. So you've got those options. It is a luxury. I mean, you'd prefer to have, you know, <laughs> replace both of them with uh, Joe Harris and Kyrie Irving, and it's probably going to be something that we keep harping on. Um, but at least we know Joe is coming back. We're, we're still unsure about Kyrie Irving's status. So uh, I think that there is positives to take from this game. And the fact that Bruce was able to show some form, even, I think RJ also did a, a really good job. He's always really good when he's providing the sort of analysis and as well as some of these jokes that he throws out there trolling a, a few different guys and a few different teams. The way he spoke about James Harden, the way he spoke about Bruce Brown saying, you know, Bruce, you look at the box score and you sort of look at the, like you mentioned, Nick, you know, the field goals and it's just like, yeah, but you look at the, the little things that he does and you look at the rebounding advantage and, you know, the fact that, like you alluded to earlier, the Nets had such a great discrepancy in the field goals which barely has barely happened over the past 18 months, you know, in, in a lot of respects. So I thought there was, a, it was the yin and yang. It was the, you know, the roller coaster experience from Bruce Brown. But I think ultimately, if you're looking at it from, and you're just looking at the whole game perspective, 
you know, the Nets don't play as well as they do without the energy from Bruce Brown coming off the bench early on and stuff, and they're able to get some momentum here and there, get some, you know, second-chance threes, that sort of thing. I still think Bruce, hopefully this can be momentum. Hopefully you can watch a bit of tape and go, all right, that's where I missed it there. He still did, he did get an and one play, but again, he missed the free throw, uh, which was really disappointing because that could have been good for his confidence as well as the momentum for the team. Um, and, you know, the Nets, if they had a got a three off in the, at the end of the game, they could have taken it to OT. And, you know, despite the fact that it were coming from back to back, I think that, you know, they could have had some momentum there. But ultimately, Nick, I still, I'm still high on my dude, Bruce. Always love him. Um, and I thought that he gave us uh, a, quite a bit tonight. Yeah, I thought he was good in the first half. I would say the second half was negative for him because he did have 10. I think 10 of those boards were in the first half, five offensive, finished the game with only two more. And I think the Bulls also adapted a little bit and realized like, hey, this is a guy we can kind of leave open. He's not hitting shots or we kind of understand what he's trying to do. So I just think at some point it's like having, you know, two wings on your roster that both in the rotation that can't shoot threes and then having, you know, other bigs in the rotation that don't really shoot threes. It just really makes things congested and it puts more pressure on other nets to make plays. I think the nets did a better job tonight in terms of like their motion and their offensive efficiency in terms of just like being active. Like you saw more dribble handoffs, you more side to side stuff. You know, yesterday was a lot of like just pick and roll, like just North and South. Like today we saw some East and West mixed in and I feel like it just makes players active and it forces, forces the defenders to be, you know, be active and move and have to be attended to their guy, even if they don't have the ball rather than sitting in the corner, sitting in a wing where you're not going to, you know, either get the ball or you don't care if they shoot that three. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts.
Yeah, I think the role players were a big part in that. And it creates a level of unpredictability yeah. and, you know, unpredictable basketball where it's read and react and motion. You know, the ball the ball moving is always easier, is always harder to defend, sorry, yep. than a stagnant ball where it's just like, okay, this guy's going to dribble the, the air of the basketball. I'm not saying that was James Hunt. And I thought that he, he, he moved the ball a bit better. He had some nice passes to Bruce Brown, including a, a pretty crazy one between the legs of, a bounce pass between the legs of Lonzo Ball earlier in, in the game. But I do like the fact, and, and I think this Nick, um, this is something that is Kevin Durant has always done. So I want to give credit to James Harden for this. And this is by Chris Mulholland. Uh, and he said, blame this one on me. I had a lot of opportunities at the rim that I didn't convert that could have settled this game down. I thought we played a pretty good game, a pretty solid four-quarter game. They made some tough shots at the end. I think that's pretty good analysis from James Harden. I always like guys taking accountability. Kevin Durant's done that plenty of times for us as a Brooklyn Nets as well. Um, and hopefully that mentality is like, cool, I missed a couple missed a couple of bunnies here and there. Um, but he also got a couple of them too. So hopefully he takes the process and mentality. You know, and you know, you learn, I think I always say that you learn a lot from losses and you learn a lot from bad performances and the process itself. You know, hopefully that's momentum heading into, you know, Dallas uh, and Houston on a back-to-back. Um, and, and he can, you know, have some... Uh, and dominate in a way where, you know, he has before. Because I thought that the if he had have hit sort of like three, four, five of, of these shots, obviously the next win, and obviously it's a different narrative around James Harden as well. I think the process was positive and as... I think that James Hunt was just basically emblematic of how the Nets played tonight, because tonight, sorry. Um, And I I just like the the accountability. I like the honesty. I like the forthrightness. And uh, that's leadership. And he's been a big leader for this team uh, for a long time. I agree, Jack. I think he even actually looking at 14 assists too. Like that's a good number. And I think it really comes down to, and that's the difference in sometimes a good and a great game or, you know, a bad and a good game. It's just a fact he missed multiple layups in this one. And like he said, he, there's shots that he can hit. There's shots that he expects to hit. And it was a game he took credit for the loss. And like you said, we respect that. We're talking about three more makes and the Nets probably win this game. And if you ask James Harden, how many shots he missed tonight that he could have made, he'd probably tell you more something like five to seven. So you know, like you said, the process was good. It was just like not executing the shots. And at the end of the day, you have to make shots. And we talked about it before, you know, 41% from the field, 32% from three, not going to get it done unless you're locking down the other team. And, you know, the Bulls hit tough shots, but it's not like the Nets played elite level defense or anything like that either. No, there was, you know, little things here and there. You know, it was like, you know, a game of inches, the ball rolling off and, you know, Bruce not being able to finish some point blank stuff. Kevin Rant missing some shots that he probably normally hits. And, I think it's worth talking about, Nick, in the previous nine games before tonight, and this doesn't factor in, I'm looking on B-ball reference right now, James Harden has been shooting 39.4% from the field on 14.7 field goal attempts, 25.4% from three on seven attempts uh, from the arc, but he's you know, 92% from the free throw line on 10 uh, free throw possessions, 22.6 points, as well as 9.8 assists to go with 8.1 rebounds. There's some good there, and there's some significant bad, like we sort of alluded to. The all, like you sort of said in the Minnesota game, it, it sort of it was a product, a carbon copy in terms of the three-point shooting. I didn't, apart from maybe one or two, where I'm like, oh, the handle looks nice there. It's got a bit of momentum heading into that step back. A lot of them were just short and wide. There was just no consistency to it on that. Whereas, you know, I was like, damn, he's just missing shots when he's getting to the line. So. If we can, it's it's weird because we saw some really positive things from three in the opening sort of you know ten or so games, um, but the past nine he's been he's been struggling from the arc especially. 
Yeah, I think it almost kind of reminds me of like we used to watch Karis LeVert and he'd come back from an injury and he'd get to his spots and he'd miss shots for like the first month and then he'd eventually start hitting them and be like, wow, this guy's really good. Hopefully that's kind of the case with Harden. Obviously it's been over a month pretty much at this point. Now it's like, all right, you know, you're you're starting to get to your spots. You're starting to feel right. Now you need to hit those shots and convert. And that's really the difference and that's beating these good to great teams you know what I mean like Kevin Durant wasn't amazing tonight but he played well enough for this team to win tonight and Harden didn't and that's not to say like you know it's all on him and he's the only reason they lost but you just expect to get more offensive production from your superstar like he scored 14 points 20 is necessary from him yeah, it, it should be, and he's able to, to pull 20 out of his ass. You know, in Houston, his it was like 20 a quarter almost. Yeah, yeah. He, he, and it, it just feels like that we, they're few and far between those scoring bursts. And, yep. and he had a scorer's mentality tonight. So I think that hopefully now we're starting to see, I guess, the, the mentality change uh, from James in terms of, you know, getting to the line. You know, you, you sort of posted, you know, his shot chart, and a lot of them were misses that he, he would normally make. So that a, a 5 or 21 night turns to a 10 or 21 night and turns into, you know, a 25, 30-point performance, and the Nets get the win. And I, I, I'm, I'm positive-ish on this from James Harden. There's, you know, you can look at a glass half full perspective where it's just like, you know, he doesn't have the burst. He doesn't have his legs under him. You know, he's, he's lost that little bit here and there. But I think that, a lot of the time, you'd rather focus on your game in and out. You know, the easiest shots are the layups. The yeah. toughest shots are generally the Kevin Durant shots, you know, the mid-range shots, you know, the contested shots. And the step-back shot is a, a generally tough shot by nature. So hopefully he figures out, you know, the inside and out game because I think that the just seeing the ball go in the basket, we always say this, you know, quite a bit. It's just like there's just a, a mental component to it where it's just like, cool, Ball goes in basket, free throw style or layup style or floater style. You know, he's, he's float. I think he hit a floater or two tonight as well. So that was positive to see also. Um, but that's where hopefully James Harden can, can work it all out. And then all three levels of his game from his, you know, ability to get to the line, his ability to drive like a man-man and the, the, the ability to self-create from the, the three-point line all starts to come together. We're 23 games, 24, no, sorry, 23 games in the season for the Brooklyn Nets right now. So, over a quarter of the way in, hopefully by halfway, hopefully by the all-star break, we're, we're talking about, okay, James Harden, you know, he's, and I think you made a good point on the Minnesota recap, Nick, about, you know, the the gap between his worst has certainly probably leveled up a little bit, yeah. but at the same time, you know, James Harden's worst should not be, you know, 5 for 21 from the field. Yeah, and 14 points. Like, here, here's the thing. Harden has definitely had these type of performances in the past, but typically when he goes 5 of 21 from the field, he goes like 12 of 15 from the free throw line. And that's just not happening. Some of that's the officials, but some of that's guys just not kind of taking the foul bait anymore. I thought the Bulls did a nice shot with their verticality in this game, kind of keeping their hands out of the cookie basket on a lot of those drives. And I'll say this about James Harden, too. I think... The burst is starting to look back to what it was last season, at least not super consistently, but on a somewhat regular basis. Right now, I think it's the bounce, like the bounce on the layups. Like he's not getting any vertical. Like there was a layup where he hit the bottom of the rim, and that's just like, bro, you're like six foot five, an NBA player. You know, I get like your hamstring. He's six foot six. Nick. I remember. I, I, he's six foot six because I remember because on League Pass they do the introductions, the the Nets announce or whatever, and he said six six. I'm like, damn, James on six six. And like, that's like big for a guard. That's like small in the modern game. That's small forward size. 
Yeah, B-ball ref has that six five. That's the only reason I say that. I oh, you know how it is, the one inch thing. But again, not really the point. Like he's what thirty two years old. Like I don't do that. I'm not in the best. I'm not a professional athlete or anything like that. He should have more pop on his layups than what he has right now. I don't know if that's a conditioning thing or whatever it is, or maybe that's something he has to adapt to with the hamstring, and maybe it's more floater stuff. But I think that's a serious thing to kind of just keep an eye on. Like he needs to have more pop and that could be impacting the step back as well. I'm not sure if he's also could just be getting fatigued from the season. He's played a lot of minutes. He's had a big workload. Yeah. He clashed knees with, was it Derek Jones as yeah. well yep. earlier in the game? So I think that that might've been a bit of a part Doesn't of confidence. <laughs> no, because then I think notoriously by nature, James Harden's durability has probably been his biggest asset and maybe his most underrated asset ever since Houston. And coming to the Brooklyn Nets, that hasn't been the case because of the nature of the muscle injuries that hamstring, calf, all these little things, ticky-tack stuff here and there. Once you have that, by nature, you're going to be a bit more wary of your body. You know, as you age, obviously, you know, things do change. You know, the belly gets a little bit bigger and all those different things. Not saying it does for James Harden, even though it probably does. <laughs> and I think that in that's where... I think we, we can't, um, it's always, I think it's just a, a lot of mental elements with James Harden because the, he hasn't forgot how to play basketball at an elite level. All the skills are there. He's still able to get off shots. And I think that the, it's the nature of them aren't looking as crispy and as smooth as they have in the past because one, he doesn't look like he's in his best conditioning. And two, it doesn't look like he has the full confidence in his current conditioning. You know, rubbing his knee. I know RJ was all like, you know, you don't rub the, the uh, clash of knees, you, you you stretch it out or whatever. But now that's one thing where it's just like, okay, maybe, I, I don't know what it is because, you know, you can't really teach confidence, Nick. Um, you know, the old line, you know, get confident, stupid. That is doesn't really help anything in any stretch of the imagination. So I think it's just going to be an individual thing for James Harden. You know, you can... Watch as much tape as you can, and I think that that can have a, a little bit of a benefit, but I think it's just going to be like, all right, James, how are you feeling tonight? And it's just like, all right, I've got my shot back. My handle's looking nice. I can get the burst off the off the dribble. And, you know, he had Lonzo Ball guarding him a little bit. He was able to get the blow by him a few times. And Lonzo Ball, you know, he's not Alex Caruso, but I still think he's an above-average point-of-attack defender. Um, so it's just a little bit disappointing because this could have been one of those games where it's just like, Cool statement game from James Harden against the second best team in the East. We know that he's he's got himself back and going. You know, against the Knicks. Cool. You know, anyone can have a good game against the the <laughs> Knicks. Um, let's just throw the Knicks land away. It makes me feel a little bit better, Nick, given the fact that the Nets lost tonight. But yeah, I, I think that hopefully James just realizes that you know you're James freaking Harden. You know, you don't need Reggie Miller to, telling you that every day, my dude. Um, and I think that because of the personalities of the the Nets team, and I always bring it up, just like. You can imagine Katie's just like, James has got it worked out. Whereas me as a bit of a, like a bombastic, you know, a guy that loves to, to show a, a lot of love to different people. I'm always, you know, throwing love to, to people I'm a, a big fan of and, and support on their Twitter. You sometimes need that positive, positivity and reinforcement. So if I was I'm James Harden, I'm I'm, I like to think that I'm a decent hype man. Sometimes I can be the opposite um, <laughs> to people that I'm not the biggest fan of. But yeah, if I was in the locker room with James Harden, you know, if I'm like your 15th guy on the roster... Man, I'm going to be Theo Pinson times a million with my dances and with my chants and, and all that sort of stuff. So, look, I think that's what James might need just a, a little bit extra love here and there. And, you know, I think it needs to come from some of his teammates. You know, be that KD being like, we know James is a, a solid and an elite player. He's going to get himself going, all that sort of shit. Sometimes you just, 
need to hear it. You know, and, and Reggie Miller is just a really random person to hear it from and to get yourself going. So um, hopefully there are different people that can validate James Harden in a way that, you know, we know he's amazing. And, you know, just listen to the buzz, James. We'll always show him you love my guy. And, you know, we'll get you, we'll pop you a, a Smoothie Harden shirt uh, from Public, and we'll get you the hoodie. We'll, we'll get you the whole range, mate. Whether it's pink, black, grey, white, or blue. But, yeah, hopefully James Harden gets himself back and going. He gets the confidence and um, he plays the level of basketball that is of an incredibly high standard because that's what he has set for himself. Yeah, and hopefully Reggie Miller's calling the game against the Mavericks too. You know, <laughs> that'll do the trick. But just getting to a point that you mentioned before, his durability, Jack, he never really got hurt. And now it's just like when you get hurt and you don't fully recover, sometimes it lingers or it adds to another injury or you're just never fully back into the shape that you want to be. You know, obviously Blake's not the perfect example, but he mentioned it last year and how why he played so well when he joined the Nets is like he said he had a month, his body was right. He was just really conditioning and like practicing basketball and Harden really didn't get that. So it's going to be interesting to see if it just is a, a grind throughout the season and by the end of the year, he's kind of back to normal or it's just an entire type of grind year. You know, I think the best opportunity to be used to some of these games against bad teams like the Rockets coming up, you know, get your confidence up. That's the best thing that really can happen. But I guess moving on from James Harden, because we could probably talk about him for another hour. Uh, KD, 28 points, 12 of 26 from the field, 2 of 6 from 3, 2 of 2 from the free throw line, 10 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 blocks, 1 turnover. You know, KD wasn't hot to start this game, but again, finished strong. Yeah, he started the, the night 1 of 8. So you got 8, he took 26 field goals, so that's 18, and he hit on the 10. So he's 10 of 18 to finish the game. Pretty good at the quick maths. I got some uh, nice feedback on that uh, from different people here and there. So he, it was. I, I think you just love Kevin Durant because you know that he's not going to stay cold for an entire game like a, a lot of players do. He's just next shot mentality. He knows that some of those shots were short, um, and his three ball has been, you know, not amazing of late. But I think that that's a product of the fact that so many other teams, you know, DeAndre Bembry hit as many threes. Uh, it was equal most with our threes with, with Patty and, and him tonight. So it was. I think he, him getting open threes and him getting you know less contested threes. I think he hit one over Jones that was like right in front of the next bench. That was just like okay, that's that's the KD that we know and love. Um, so I wanted him to maybe generate a few more three balls. And I think that some of that is a more the product of the Nets' offensive system yeah. right now. They're not really generating those shots. And teams are really harping in on Kevin Durant. And he's getting doubled a lot. And he's making the right passes. He's, he's really those turnovers uh, that he says. I think the Nets did a really good job of that overall tonight. You know, James Harden didn't have a turnover at all. You know, Paddy Mills led the team in that department with two. And, and, and the team itself only had five. So the way, fundamentally, that I think that... You know, it's he. He's a pro, he always looks better when things are getting a, a bit more open for him. Pin downs from LA like it was against Minnesota, or you know, a bit more motion, some some pick and roll action, um, and allowing him to just find a, a little bit of space here and there. The guys, you know, laid on the closeout so he can just you know, hit it with ease rather than have it a hand in his face because you know he'll probably get a, a hit on. He might get a hit on the elbow or a hit on the hand, and the, the call doesn't happen, and the shot ends up being short. But Kieran was still awesome tonight. You know, like you mentioned, 28 points, 10 rebounds, four assists, two blocks. I think defensively, he's been, you know, really, really good of late. You know, he's guarding DeMar DeRozan on all our possessions. And yeah, DeMar, you know, got his own here and there. But, you know, good offense always beats good defense. KD knows that and, you know, he respects that. So I think that defensively, he was super important, especially when you've got, you know, James Harden out there on the perimeter. His weak side help is continuing to be elite. So, 
You, know, you don't normally see that from guys coming off really serious injuries, let alone the most serious injury that you can have. So I think that it's it's worthwhile showing a bit of love to Kevin Durant and his defense because uh, he was super, super duper. Um, oh, super duper. That's not <laughs> you said uh, a couple of shows ago, you never say that again, Jack. <laughs> Okay, yeah, thanks for holding me accountable, my guy. Love, love, always love that. I'm always already up on my feelings. We got to hold you accountable, Jack. Fair (laughs) enough, mate. Fair enough. But uh, you go (laughs) getting back to the the Kevin Durant stuff. I think, like you said, defensively, he's been really good. I think when he's like locked in off ball defensively, like he kind of changes the Nets defense, and then on ball. The only thing that sucks for him is, like, he's such a big player that it's very hard for him to get over screens. I thought he did a good job tonight in some situations, but he's probably better off playing a switching style defense, you know, in most cases. Not to say that he can't play the drop and things like that, but I feel like you see him utilized better in the switching because, again, he can defend what it seems like every position. Obviously, Vucevic got him in the post, but did a great job on DeRozan because DeRozan was just hitting tough shots over Durant. He did a good job on Levine a couple times, so... KD continues to do his thing, and I think yeah, getting to another point that you mentioned, Jack, the three-point shot, like he's not getting a lot of catch-and-shoot opportunities this year. A lot of them are contested looks, even if they are catch-and-shoot. And I think also, though, teams are pushing him off that line. That's why you've seen him be able to attack closeouts with such ease. It just seems like one crossover and gets in the lane and gets to a spot. The problem now is that he's just constantly seeing multiple bodies, but luckily he has the best mid-range jumper in the league and can just knock that down. Yeah, I think Kevin Durant just takes the shots that the defense is giving him. Yep. That's not me sort of, you know, criticizing Katie for not taking more threes. It's just that that's the shots the defense are giving him. They're hounding in a certain way. They're giving him open spaces here and there. That's how the Nets are getting him open. They're getting him, you know, he said himself, I think, you know, in, in, in previous, you know, chats with the, the Nets brass that he's like, you know, yeah, at the, the, the fundamentals of our offense right now aren't amazing, but, you know, that's just how it is. Um, and, you know, that's a, we're just a product of the system. And because, again, you don't have, you know, your extra two elite floor spaces in the guys that we've mentioned time and time again on this pod, that's, you're able to get more open shots when there's better offensive capable, yep. of, offensively capable players there rather than Jojo Bembry from the corner, which, again, good today. And we'll get to Jojo Bembry in a little bit. Um, and, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge, Patty Mills. The starting five, you know, Patty Mills is, is elite. LaMarcus Aldridge is average to below average I would probably have in my head James Harden he's like you know the stretch of late you know he's been shooting below 25% and you know he's 20% on one of five shooting for there tonight you know he hasn't been that and he doesn't take catch and shoot threes like he did you know a couple of games ago and it just seems to me that he's just not taking them anymore so it's just like okay the, the, we'll just double and triple and do whatever the hell we have to, for Kevin Durant and let the other guys beat us. Yep. You know, it it helped a little bit tonight. And I think the Nets were still able to get some good ball movement and, you know, you had your Millsaps and, and Cam Thomas, I thought was pretty positive tonight as well. But KD still does, you know, in, incredible things. And also shout out to him for being now the sole owner of 24th uh, all time in, in scoring. And he's got a plenty of time to keep climbing that list. You know, he overtook Ray Allen. Heck of an achievement. I think just the other night he overtook Allen Iverson for 25th, yep. but he's going to keep climbing that list. Who's he got next? Let me double check it. I've got it on here. Patrick Ewing is at 24,815. KD is 308 points away from that. So what's that? You know, 10 or so games from KD? Yeah, really. <laughs> it's not going to be too long until uh, the one of the, the Knicks all-time greats. And I think that history is a really important thing to Kevin Durant. You know, and just the... 
the sport itself, the the league itself, and I, I think that these achievements probably don't go unnoticed for him. He probably keeps them in in the back. He'll probably be somewhat dismissive, but I think he we saw you know when he was announced at the top seventy five, you know the appreciation that he has for the craft that he has for the game. Uh, this is a, a remarkable achievement for a guy um, for what he's done. You know his career has been is full of accolades, and this is just another one to add to the list. And um. You know, to overtake, you know, a, a, a Knicks legend uh, in, in you know, 10, 15 games time. Hopefully it happens on our 500th episode, Nick. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, or against the Knicks. Um, that would be even cooler. Um, Jack, how many points does he need to get into the top 20 this year? Uh, I've only got actually the, the top 23 in front of me. Oh, you know, okay. Uh, but I, I can look that up while, if you want to, you know. Uh, I got a couple re- points on Kevin Durant. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think another thing with KD that we saw a lot in this game is like we mentioned this and we talked about this all on different podcasts is like teams are starting to send more attention. The Bulls sent hard double teams early in this game every time he got the ball in the post, and they pretty much continue to do it throughout the game. The Nets did a nice job in this one reacting to that and having a setup or players in a position where they could take advantage of that and create an advantage for the offense rather than it be just a kick out that essentially turns into nothing. There was obviously that one play where Patty Mills should have taken the, taken the three, but most of the nights, most of the night, the bulls over rotated in that situation. And that's just kind of passed along the perimeter. And we saw some ball movement and that's when we saw some different actions created. So good things happen when Kevin, Kevin Durant touches the basketball. And I think sometimes the Nets could even simplify their offense to an extent of like just making sure KD touches the ball. He doesn't have to score, but he just needs to touch it because it just makes the defense uneasy. Yeah, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. It's just, you know, the the gravity that he has just by his pure presence, just the superstar presence that he has. You know, it's like Steph Curry from three, even though he has been great in, in, a, in a few games of late. So, uh, And for the record, Nick, uh, it is Alex English who has 25,613 points. Katie currently with 24,512. So he's got 1,101 points, I think, off the top of my head. Let's, hopefully that math is correct. I'm not using a calculator here, guys. I'm trying to use my little teacher element here. So what do we got? If he's shooting 30 points a game, what do you got, about 33, 35 games? You know, he could get there by the end of this season, yeah. Nick. I'd be pretty confident of that. And then, funnily enough, you know, the guy who's at 19 is Nets legend Vince Carter. It'd be pretty cool if he overtakes him as well. Now, who's at 25,728. Don't make me do the maths for that, my guy. I've done a lot of maths on the last couple of episodes. Of Your this students point. are proud. You can use yeah, this as an example in the classroom. It's the weekend, Nick. I don't want to be working and doing goddamn mathematics and equations and stuff. <laughs> Kevin Durant's all-time great. And the fact that he's... You know, in the swan song of his career and still playing the way that he is, and he's doing it in a Brooklyn Nets uniform, um, it's pretty goddamn incredible. Absolutely loving it. Yeah, and I think that's just another reason why you want the Nets to get the win. But I guess moving to the rest of the team, uh, DeAndre Bembry, eight points, three of six in the field, two of three from three, uh, seven rebounds, two assists, one steal, two blocks, one turnover. You know, another solid performance by Bembry. He, you know, Jack, you made this point on yesterday's podcast about Tyler Johnson and Jeff Green last year and how they just were constantly getting the same type of recap every episode. It kind of feels like Bembry is turning into that guy for the Nets this year. Yeah, but I think the the things that DeAndre Bembry does as a role player are a bit more outlandish and impactful and in your face. Like the yeah, like, like you, better. Yeah, he's and I think that he's just because he's just a, a higher level defender. You know, he's. He's not going to get all NBA defensive, you know, uh, on on those teams because I don't think he's going to get the minutes there. But he is in that elite class of defensive player. And you know, when you're blocking Zach Levine, one of the great drivers and great athletes in the game, 
you know, on a drive, that's a pretty insane thing. And I'm pretty sure you mentioned as well that he blocked a DeMar DeRozan jumper. You know, two things that both of these guys didn't really happen to them very often tonight, especially in the fourth quarter. And funnily enough, who wasn't out there in that fourth quarter was our guy, DeAndre Bembry. So um, he's been awesome and he deserves all the plaudits and probably could have been out a little while longer tonight. But hopefully it leaves him cherry ripe and fresh for a guy like Doncic um, in the coming days as well. Yeah, I wonder if it was a back-to-back thing why Bruce played more or just Nash wanted to go with him because I just feel like Bembry played better and has played better, so you would play him more minutes. And I think even in this matchup, he's just a little bit more quick-twitchy where Brown's a little bit more physical, and I think that works better with Levine and uh, DeRozan. But uh, moving over to Patty Mills, 12 points for Mills, 5 of 10 from the field, 2 of 5 from 3, 1 rebound, 1 assist, 2 steals, 1 block, 2 turnovers. Another solid game for Patty and obviously gives you that energy spark. Yeah, I'm not going to rehash the um, the criticism that I gave to Patty. You know, I, I will only give the criticism once and then we can move on from it. You know, it's it's the way I like to be with my students. You know, you, you be harsh and you find a good way to give them the motivation to be better going forward. But that's the thing, the good thing about Patty. He's event in this league. You know, he still made important plays after that. You know, layups, threes, all that sort of stuff. And, you know, KD was pretty pissed at him not taking those shots. I think that's one thing that is unforgivable to Kevin Durant is not taking an open shot or even a semi-contested shot if you've got it because he's just like, I get a million, I get what half of my shots a night are fully contested. If you get an open shot and I kick it to you, you better freaking take the shot. It, It reminded me of last year, Joe Harris, where like he's just like, shoot it, Joe. And it's just like, yeah, he was basically saying the same thing to, to Patty. So two of my favorite three-point marksmen that have ever set foot on the court. And, you know, I, and I think that Patty's, you know, he's going to take it on the chin. And again, still positive for him tonight. And I think that, you know, he was he, he was a bit cold early and, and he still finished the night 50% from the field and 40% from three. Um, and I think that there was some, you know, some intriguing chemistry with him and Paul Millsap. You know, some little handoffs here and there that I really liked. And I thought that they showed a, a bit of chemistry uh, that I was really sort of intrigued and, and enthused about. So I liked that. I liked a bit of Patty Mills and Paul Millsap action. You know, they've both got basically the same letters in their name apart from one or two here and there. So I think that that's something where you can find a bit of cohesion. Yeah, I mean, actually, it's really funny looking at their names next to each other. But um, I think, Patty, I like the two layups we saw tonight, obviously the one transition, but I like the little layup where he kind of squeaked in there. I think that's something that I've kind of hoped to see more from him and different guys in the team just to take advantage of those opportunities because I think they are there in certain situations, especially with LaMarcus on the floor and even Millsap, who knocked down a three tonight as well. So Patty just kind of continuing to be a piece on this team. And like you said, on that three-point shot, I think, like I mentioned before, he just was predetermined. And that's like the only issue I ever had with Patty Mills. Usually if he makes a bad play, it's because he predetermined in his head that was what he was already going to do. You know, occasionally you'll see that with like pull-up jumpers and stuff where it's just like, just react, play your game, and things will go well. Yeah, when he's just feeling the flow of the game and just reading it and just doing whatever the the offense is giving him, the defense is giving him, etc. You know, that's when Paddy Mills is at his best. And he was still really solid and really serviceable yep. tonight. And always important and, and, you know, another 34 minutes for him. You know, some of those minutes, um, you know, I think all of these guys are, are hoopers and, and they're loving being given the opportunity to be out there. And the extra responsibility uh, for Paddy Mills, you know, he's thriving under it. Yeah, and luckily for Paddy, he doesn't have high mileage. You know, it's not like he was coming off the bench a lot in San Antonio. Like, we're not talking a guy that that's played James Harden's minutes. And like you said, like, he's probably happy to get more touches and be out there a little bit more. But moving on to his current teammate and former teammate, LaMarcus Aldridge, 20 points, 10 of 17 from the field, 0 of 2 from 3, 7 rebounds, 1 steal, 0 turnover, 0 blocks. Another solid performance for LaMarcus. 
yeah, this is solid to above average from from LA. You know, 17 shots from him, and you know, it's it's just the expectation where a lot of people are expecting regression. I'm not Nick. I'm expecting him to just keep hitting these shots, and he's he's also using, like you've mentioned before, his physicality, you know, in, in a way, and, and not just against smaller guys, but against guys like Vooch, yeah. you know, who's been a nest killer in, in the he past. Made Vooch looked like barbecue chicken on a couple of players. Yeah, he so just did. Like, he didn't care. Dude, I'm having chicken tacos for dinner tonight, and you know, I might have to get a recipe from the Marcus Aldridge. I had chicken tacos no. for dinner. <laughs> oh, you mean you were always on point, Mike? I even a goddamn hemisphere away, but yeah, Lamarcus was awesome. So I, I think that he's going to continue to do what he does here. It's again, it's the sort of Golden State conundrum. You know, what does he give up on the other end? And you know, I think a lot of people pre-game were like, okay, you got Zach Levine, you got. Um, DeMar DeRozan, you know, two of the top scorers in the league and two of the top scorers for the Chicago Bulls. But Marcus Aldridge as your, your your main big in those lineups, it's going to be a little bit tricky because he just gives you those guys so much space to operate. Um, and they're right, they've got incredible handles. So they can, both of those guys aren't just like amazing mid-range shooters. They're also amazing at getting to the line and amazing at getting yeah. to the rack. So if they... They can utilize the fact, okay, LA's just going to keep going back. I'll take the mid-ranger. Oh, okay. Well, he's, he's, I'll just drive past him. So th- that's just a, a bit of an issue. Um, but he was still plus five on the night. So when he was out there, you know, the Nets were were better compared to Paul Millsap, who was minus eight. Though I do think Paul Millsap was still incredible and probably his best game as a Brooklyn net. So to have, I, I thought that though both of our bigs tonight were, were good for in their own respects. Yeah, and I think LaMarcus was better in this game than the previous game against the Bulls, and I thought the Nets did a better job of trying to get over screens. But there's still those possessions where he gets switched on to DeRozan or Levine, and that's just a guaranteed bucket. Like, we're talking about some of the top ISO scores in the NBA. That's in LaMarcus's, you know, a, a center that's past his prime and never was a great athlete. So it's just a situation where the Nets are going to take an L on that possession, and that's just something you have to consider. And also, I think, like we mentioned on the Minnesota podcast, like, he played 32 minutes again tonight. Like, you have to at some point worry about getting his minutes down. And I agree. I don't think his shooting and his scoring is going to go down because it's a very skill-based. Like, a lot of things that he does on the floor just because he's really good at basketball. Like, the sh- the shot is smooth. The finishes inside are smooth. And I thought also he was cutting or rolling to the rim on a couple possessions. It's something you only see with really Kevin Durant. It doesn't really happen on the James Harden pick and roll. So, credit to him for kind of having an impact there as well. So, um, I'm just worried about the minutes for him a little bit. And then also I think the Nets just need to have an, start developing more minutes with another big because it's pretty admin that this isn't going to be something that's suitable for the postseason. Obviously, we're only 20-something games in the year, so it doesn't really matter. But just something to always keep in the back of the ha- your head. Yeah, Blake Griffin, DMP, James Johnson. On ESPN, it says DMP coach's decision. It wasn't the coach's decision. He had a sore shoulder. Yeah. Um, and, but Clax was a DMP as well. So... Look, I think that it's a, it's a worthwhile, I'm not, I'm not sure if it's a concern, but it's certainly something to, to monitor for the Brooklyn Nets because that's something that I, I'm not sure what your perspective is, Nick, but I don't really care about elevated Kevin Durant minutes because I just think that he's a pure hooper and the, he's 33, but almost like you sort of said about Patty Mills, the, the, the reps that you don't have when you're, you're injured and you're sort of just able to rest the rest of your body. Um, it, it allows you to sort of, you know, sort of come back somewhat rejuvenated. And yes, LaMarcus has sort of had that a little bit because he was in, forced into the premature retirement as well. But he's also, what, four years older than Kevin Durant And as a well, bigger so. body. Katie's got bigger. the luxury of being super skinny. And yep. that, that really helps because it's just less wear and tear every time you jump. Like, LaMarcus is a big body. Like, he's just a, yeah. a big man. 
Yeah, he had dunks on it as well. Yeah. So um, there's you, he had a, a little bit of hops there. So you know, good for LA, but certainly something to keep an eye on. And hopefully Steve Nash is listening. Didn't call him Stephen, even though the DeAndre Bembry decision was certainly very Stephen-esque. Um, yeah. But Nick, Paul Millsap, <laughs> Paul Millsap was great tonight, especially in that first half, sort of like you know him and Bruce Brown. They were just giving the Nets energy and execution on, on, on all facets of the floor. Finished tonight, 13 points, seven boards, including five offensive boards. Had two assists, a block as well, and a three-pointer, six of 11 from the field. Because what happens, Nick, when you give Paul Millsap, I guess, 15 minutes? Um, it's, look, could, I reckon you give... Hopefully, we get the next game where it's like Paul Millsap gets like 20 minutes. I want him to have more than freaking 18... I think it was 18 minutes and 49 seconds against the Orlando Magic in that blowout. But you could have given him an extra five minutes, and I think the Nets would have been pretty solid and pretty serviceable. And I think that the would have been able to generate some good shots because you know he's a good, really smart player. And you know, the, uh, like I sort of mentioned, talking about Paddy Mills, just a, a really savvy sort of guy. So, um, really, really great game for Paul Millsap. And to the Millsap naysayers out there, hopefully they watch tonight's performance and could just see when he's given a decent run of minutes and he's able to just find some chemistry and, so, and some cohesion and, and actually do some things, you know, alongside some some quality basketball players in good rotations when he's not out there with, like, you know, a Javon Carter or whoever else it might be, um, then it's just like, okay, this is what Paul Millsap can give us. So positive performance from Paul tonight. Hopefully he continues to be given more opportunities going forward. Yeah. And I think this is kind of the Millsap we envisioned when the signing happened. Like this, there was a little self-created offense. There was some, you know, taking advantage of a mismatch, just using some of that size inside and just being an active role player. You saw more of like that role player plus stuff tonight. And I think you'll continue to see it if he does get those minutes, like you mentioned, Jack. And I would have liked to probably see him for five more minutes tonight because they were also switching with him on the floor. And I thought he did an okay job on DeRozan in a couple situations. He's not an elite switch defender, but he he's a savvy guy. You know what I mean? He can use his size a little bit. And I think the more he plays, there's a better chance of that possibly being a little bit better. And I just like what he brings to the team. And, you know, especially if they're not playing Nick Claxton. Like Claxton yeah. played tonight which is understandable coming back from injury but if clax i thought this would be a matchup that would be suitable for him but obviously he's not there right now based off of what you know we're seeing yeah and look that was a fine decision because the nets almost got the win and yep. and i don't think really Cla having claxton out there totally changed the result um even not though this you clax not this no, clax not this clax the the best version of clax we know that but yeah the, the like you mentioned nick you know the the post move that in, with the the old opposite hand lefty finish was you know in, incredible um, and then he also had like you know a, a banker off the glass yep. um, and you know, i think that at that point the nets were up by you know double digits and i'm um, heading into uh, i think um, no it wasn't they were up by 11 and then at the end of the four, at the end of the third you know um, paul Millsap with about i think 5 6 7 seconds left on the on the clock you know, ball in his hands and he just creates yep. a, a bit of offense and gives the Nets a, a little bit of arrests the momentum somewhat from the Bulls who were on a, a pretty extended run for themselves. So um, I thought he was he was really, really positive tonight for the Nets and uh, good to see him actually, you know, execute out there and, and, and have a bit of flow within the team system. Yeah, and the ball handling, I think, is another added, you know, thing with him on the floor that this team lacks a little bit with some of the other guards. So uh, I'd love to see Millsap a little bit more, like you said, Jack. But moving over to Cam, he did play tonight. We ended up seeing him for about 26 minutes, eight points, three and nine from the field, 0 oh, two from three, two or two from the free throw line, four rebounds, two assists, two steals, zero turnovers, minus 14. But it felt like a pretty solid game from Cam. 
Yeah, I'm shocked to see that. I, I thought that when he was out there, he was just a, a net positive. And I think that that's where the eye test, you, you sort of skew towards that because, you know, the, he was running out in transition. You know, he had a really nice play with, you know, there was a three-man transition play. It was him and Bruce Brown, you know, mainly sort of passing the ball back and forth and it led to a Bruce bucket, you know, him just making the right decision there. And then he got out in transition again and jumped off his left foot, I think, to get the right-handed floater. Not something you, you see uh, totally often, but that was just like, okay, you can. You do your thing, mate. And then he was able to... And it, like, throws the defender off. Sorry to cut you off, Jack, but it's such a unique situation because you're jumping off your left foot for a right-handed layup, but instead you go for the floater. So now you're you're just like the defender isn't really able to get up for that contest. Yeah, I'm just trying to, like, imitate it as I'm sitting down. It's a difficult and... shot, but it looked really smooth in the it... sense. I, I love watching Cam score the basketball because it's just something that's extremely natural to him. Even there was a finger roll lap he missed in this game while Marcus ended up tipping it in, but it was just so sweet. Yeah, the footwork of that one where he was able to go through the defenders. You know, he's a guy, he plays like he's a... good. He plays like a, an old head. Like yeah. he, you can just tell, like you know, he. That's why KD loves him, and that's why you know James Harden loves him. And I think that you know the drive that he took tonight as well. You know, you could see KD really pumping him up from that. He's like, you know, take those, take those. And he had another one earlier in the game where he had a really good take, and I think it was off an offensive board. And he saw just like, okay, I'm going to close you guys out here. You know, he's a three level scorer. Yes, the three ball hasn't been falling of late, but um, it hasn't been falling in, in terms of the the efficiency. Uh, but he's still, I still think, a, a, a good three-point shooter based off his mechanics and what he's shown at college. But, yeah, got to the, the free-throw line, hit both his free-throws, um, and, you know, that drive was great. You know, his footwork is really positive. Um, and I think he was he was okay defensively tonight too. I just thought that he was... Uh, uh, to be a rookie role player is, is, is a really tricky thing because especially when you've gone from, like you've mentioned before, Nick, you know, at LSU where the system is you, you are the system, it revolves around you. And now it's like, okay, how do I adjust and, and provide my level of skill set, you know, where I'm an ancillary player behind Kevin Durant, James Harden, even Paddy Mills and some of these guys. I um, mean, he's done that in a, in a really positive fashion. And that's a, a credit to him, a credit to his mentality, because in the absence of so many guys who've been out for injury and whether it's a few games here or there are extended absence for other guys, the opportunity has been there for Cam Thomas, and he's taken it. Yeah, two steals tonight as well. Um, you know us, Nick. We're, we're, we're big fans of Killer Cam, and, and hopefully he can continue to show us more and more going forward because uh, it's just it's something different when you're seeing you know the old young rook do his thing, and um, hopefully he continues to get that confidence from the coaching staff, the coach, and you know the players around him. Um, he's been he's been super. Yeah, and he had, I want to, I'm trying to think who it was. Uh, I don't know. It was LaMarcus. He had a, just a great pass to LaMarcus in this game as well on a LaMarcus cutting to the rim and finished with a layup. And like you said, I think the drives are what stick out for this one. The Nets desperately need some more rim pressure, and he's a guy that can provide it. He has a layup package. It's not like he's an elite, you know, high-level finisher in terms of, like, above the rim, but he can get crafty around there, and he's not going to necessarily get the attention that KD and Harden are going to get on drives to the rim. So that's another opportunity for an attack. And I think as he gets more minutes, he gets more comfortable. I think the Nets will start to explore what he can do in self-creation. You know, he kind of earned that ISO bucket in which we were talking about where he turned it into the finger roll with the footwork. Now, I think there's other opportunities on the floor, especially with some of these quote-unquote bad offensive lineups. You just let him cook once in a while. You know, maybe he has it this night. You let him get a couple ISO possessions, especially if he gets a matchup against a bad defender. Yeah, I think that he could have been utilized more in the offense, to, to yeah. be honest, Nick, because good, good things have been happening. It's not like, 
He's not the chucker that a lot of people, you know, sort of said he is. Yes, he'll throw up some bad shots every now and then, but I honestly, you know, other than that, f the first game where he got like 10 minutes and he took like one shot and it was just like, that's not the cam sort of shot that we, we sort of noticed. He's been a, a good, good role player and a good NBA player at that. Yep. So, and that's saying something for a rookie. So, but... Nick, I saw this comparison. I want to get your thoughts on it. I can't remember who it was that put it out on Nets Twitter, but they made the comparison point of Cam Thomas being a, a bit Bradley Beal-esque. Do you see any elements of that, or do you see maybe a, a better comparison point? I know if you want to see like deep dive analysis of like you know different prototypes, um, you can go back to some of our draft stuff. I might have to check my Google Docs and see what I wrote down uh, in there. But do you see elements of that in terms of you know, the shot creation? Bradley Beal's also quite a smooth player, as Cam is. And, and the way they finish around the rim, I sort of see it a bit. I think Bradley Beal has a bit of a prettier shot in terms of the mechanics, especially from three. Um, but I do see, you know, obviously both of are... He, he, Cam has a way to, a ways to go to be an all-NBA caliber player like Bradley Beal. But there are some elements that I, I certainly see the comparison points that are valid. Yeah, I think there's some elements that are similar. I think Bradley Beal's a longer player. I think he probably has a little bit more athletic pop. Um, but I mean, they're, it's not like he's the most athletic guy in the league. So I can, I can see the comparison there. I mean, there's a little bit of like Lou Will in his games too, which is some of the way he dances and takes some of these like off balance fadeaway shots. And I think there's just, it's a lot of different players for Cam. Like, I think he's, I don't want to say he's a unique player to an extent yet, but it, there's a possibility of just like the way he plays. Like we just talked about the guy taking a floater and transition off his left foot in like a way that you just don't typically see very often. He's just... He's just got scoring in his blood. So I think I, I've, I'd rather see more of Cam before I started to make comparisons, but I do see elements of Bradley Beal. But again, I think Bradley Beal just has a little bit more length and athletic pop. No, that's totally fair. Uh, but you know, Killy Cam's got a lot in in his game uh, for a guy Developed that is... further than a lot of guys are at his age. Yeah, absolutely. Like I sort of said, I just think he's got that old head mentality, that old sort of, you know, you know, is he a ball or is he a hooper? Whatever that discussion is, you know, he's just a, a flat-out hooper. Nick, I wanted to, before we end this one, I wanted to ask you, I guess, about, you know, just the big man rotation in general. Do you see things changing at all when the Nets go on their road trip to Texas? Houston's yep. in Texas? Uh, good, my geography's actually okay. Uh, do you think that Blake gets some minutes? Do you think Clack gets some minutes? James Johnson, if he returns uh, and recovers from that shoulder injury? What do you see happening there? Because, you know, I think LaMarcus, like you mentioned, has been getting some heavy minutes. Paul Millsap had his best performance as a Brooklyn Net. Do you, and we've heard Steve Nash say that, like, you know, when Clax was returning, that, you know, we've got our set rotation and whatever, but he still did give these minutes to, to Clax on, on the return against Minnesota. Where do you see the Nets' big situation now, and, and do you see any changes happening? Yeah, I think Houston, the Houston matchup's an ideal situation to rest somebody. I think, you know, even possibly resting James Harden or Kevin Durant, probably not James Harden because he's definitely going to want to play that game. Maybe you rest KD. I think LaMarcus makes sense to rest that game, and that opens an opportunity to possibly get Blake some minutes or possibly get Nick Claxton some minutes. I think Nick could get infused into some of these different lineups in the rotation, given that he can play alongside Millsap or Aldridge, where I think a combination of Griffin and Millsap or Griffin and Aldridge is too slow. So I think... I don't think Blake's going to be in the rotation unless there's an injury or somebody sits for a little bit. I think he has to get his form right or something has to happen for him to get back in there just because he played so poorly or somebody else has to play poorly to the extent or get into foul trouble where Nash needs to play him or just wants to try something else out. Yeah, look, the, I think that Steve's been a little less willing to be experimental of late because 
You know, it's just the, the way that the Nets Less are talent. now. Yeah, and, and, and you know, experiment. given that the, the health and stuff, it's hard to sort of change things on the fly when certain things are set and certain rotations are set. So I get what he's sort of saying there. Um, it'll be interesting. You know, the Nets coming off a back-to-back, you know, just looking at this performance holistically, you know, to lose by four points to the second team in, in the East and still maintain their, their standing as one of the best teams uh, in the East, if not the best, you know, going by standings anyway. Maybe just talking through it, Nick, and just looking at different things here and there and finishing off with Cam Thomas to left me in a positive mood. But, you know, the my heartbeat is uh, really solid right now. I'm, I'm looking to, to get cooking on those tacos sooner rather than later. I'll, you know, get chopping with the onion and the tomato, get the, the guacamole going. I always do a bit of a mean guac. And maybe my mentality is to mellow it out somewhat. Yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, the Nets were close enough where this is a game that they should have probably won if guys play a little bit better. It's not like they played great basketball and lost a game in terms of like they shot 50% from the field, 40% from three and played great defense and did all the things they were supposed to and just didn't have enough. You know what I mean? There's still things for them to be better. And I think, again, as we've talked about, the roster's not finalized and we'll probably see potentially some different adjustments as the year progresses. So overall, sucks they lost the game and you want them to win, but it's not the end of the world, especially losing a game in early December. That's it. That's it. And there's still plenty of games to come. And you know, I, I looked on our, our, pod, our podcast publishing platform, man, say those P's three times. Um, and we're pretty close. Like I mentioned earlier, we're pretty close to the old 500 episodes soon. So if I've got to make sure like, like if it's during a weekday or whatever, I've got to either send in like a clip or take a day off of work. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure I'll still be in the country, but 500 episodes, man, I can't believe we're almost there. Yeah, we're getting old, Jack. No, but uh, really, really appreciate, obviously, the opportunity to do these podcasts with you and everyone who supported us along the way. And hopefully we get to 500 very soon. And big thanks, everybody, for listening. Check the buzz on all streaming platforms. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.